Hello, and welcome to the Modern Goat Rider podcast. I'd like to take this opportunity to emphasize the opinions expressed by our hosts and guests are strictly their own and do not represent the positions of any lodge, grand lodge, or other branches of the independent order of Oddfellows. Fascinating conversations will be open to the public for the purposes of inspiring our global membership and promoting the order. So sit back, open your ears, and your heart in your hand while I introduce you to our hosts. Welcome to the Modern Goat Rider Podcast. I'm Billy Sanderson. And I'm Josh Miller. Hey, Josh. How are you doing today? I'm tired, Bill. <clears throat> yeah, I worked all day. A pretty uh, grueling, uh, long shift. Uh, different work than I'm used to. Well, I'm getting used to it. So, uh, yeah, for people that know me out in Goatland, uh, yeah, my life's changed a little bit <laughs> over, the la- over, over the last year. Uh, yeah, and... Um, yeah, today was a busy day, and I'm tired. But you were busy, which yeah. you know, some of us even you know were not busy. I mean, totally, totally. I I am very blessed to uh, be gainfully employed in a place where they love me, and oh, um, of course they love you. Of course, of course. After being a boss for you know 15 years, uh, you get to be a pretty good employee. You know, you know it. Oh, so how's that changed you? You're appreciative of what the boss goes through or what is the yeah, I'm uh, difference? I'm appreciative of what the employee goes through, I think, ah. more than I ever have been in before. I mean, I always appreciated my employees, but um, yeah, it's, it's definitely a, be the shoes on the other foot. And, you know, it's nice to actually just be an employee and only have to worry about me and what I need to do, not about what everybody needs to do, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, what the boss has to do. But um yeah, it's just different. But today was a long day. I'm nah. used to working nine and a half hours straight. Oh Sorry. yeah, that is a long yeah. day. And then I drag you out here at late at night to, to talk. This is I I love talking. This is you know this is what I should be getting paid to do. Come on, figure oh, that they, out. Oh, they don't let you talk for nine and a half hours at your current well, I job. I can talk, but I got to be doing other things too. So. Ah. Yeah. All right. Well, we have uh, exciting things happening in Goatland, right? Yes, very exciting. So I'm actually, uh, I'm actually all jazzed up now. You're all jazzed up. Okay, fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I did an interview earlier today while Josh was grinding it out at the uh, salt mines. Yeah. And uh, I, inter- <laughs> I interviewed brother uh, David Shear in Portland, Oregon. And uh, I'll, I'll tell a little bit about that kind of when we go into it. But uh, yeah, it was great to hear it. I haven't heard it yet. So I'm excited to hear this interview. Okay, so we won't banter about the interview. We'll talk about other stuff. Yes. So uh, we haven't recorded in a while. It's uh, uh, it's not like us, but uh, that's because we've kind of run into some scheduling conflicts with some other guests. Um, our podcasting mentor, uh, brother Eric Bramble, when we first met him before starting the Modern Goat Rider he just said, okay, the biggest thing you're going to be doing is scheduling guests, the most work, the most effort. And we didn't have much trouble at all for six, seven months, but uh, we've kind of run into a bit of a dry spot. So uh, here's your chance. Get on the Modern Goat Rider. Send us a message at info, right? 
yeah, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to interview you. If you've got a story to tell that um, sort of is can be approached by the modern goat rider way, uh, we would, we'll, we'll do it. We'll gallop huh? on over there and make it happen. That's right. That's great. Um, but we also crossed another threshold for downloads. Uh, we are well past the 3000 download mark since we began this podcast. Again, fantastic. Thank you very much all the support. Hi ho! Thank Hi-ho. you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I don't know, 3000. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, well, this is episode 25. This will get us another little milestone so marker. The, we're averaging 10 downloads per episode? No, no. <laughs> okay, more like 100. Closer to 100, over 100. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's kind of fun. Um, you know, we're not doing it for the likes. We're not doing it for the stats. We're doing it for the for the joy of uh, hearing our voices uh, over the ethers. Yeah, and, and editing and yeah, uh, oh, listening to us again. Billy has listened to us 3,000 times tri- by itself, I think. Trimming out ums and you knows. Damn it. So uh, because of downloads and because of Facebook is really the only place we uh, do any kind of promotion, uh, I wanted to mention that we are on Instagram. We're on IG. As of last week, I created a, I guess, an account. It was pretty tricky to figure it out how to do it because... Uh, Instagram has these tricky things that you need to be real people and that sort of stuff. But we we figured out how to have a, have a business account. So uh, at Modern Goat Rider, one word, hit us. Yeah, check us um, out on IG. Check us out on IG. Um, and the other really cool thing um, is that not only uh, do you get the Modern Goat Rider podcast on Spotify, uh, but I'm going to do something here with my Alexa. Oh, she just woke up. Hi, Alexa. How you doing? Hey, Alexa. Play Spotify playlist Modern Goat Rider. Modern Goat Rider from Spotify. This doesn't sound like us. Not you and me. Tell us about this playlist, Billy. Okay, hold on. Okay, Alexa. Stop. So uh, this is an open playlist, public open playlist. Contribute to it. Uh, We have got songs that are intro, outro songs. And we've got some oddfellowy kind of songs. Songs with oddfellowy kind of lyrics, themes, all that sort of stuff. Kind of Uh, inspiring music? Yeah, sort of inspiring. Yeah, there's some... There's some crazy stuff in there too, but it's sort of inspiring. Yeah, I'd say is that. There any, is there anything from this decade? Uh, I'm old. I can't remember. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. pretty bad. So if you're out there and you uh, find the uh, find the Spotify playlist, add some stuff that would make That's you right. think of Modern Goat Rider, Knock us out. Fellows, or anything uh, inspiring maybe. Yeah. And odd, no, R.E.M., Oddfellow, Behind the Oddfellow Hall, or whatever that R.E.M. song is, it's not on the playlist, so go ahead and add it. Uh, and the last thing about Spotify is that a friend of the show, uh, brother Anthony Shackle here in Victoria, uh, has a new album coming out in May. And uh, I know it's a long way away. I'll remind everybody again. Uh, but he has... Uh, Got it running. He's giving me a little bit of details. You can pre-order it on Bandcamp. So if you go to Anthony Shackle, 
Anthony, all one word, and Shackle, S-H-A-C-K-E-L-L, dot bandcamp.com, you can find his albums. And he's got a couple songs on Spotify right now. Uh, so please uh, check it out. Yeah, please support our brother, Anthony, because uh, he's amazing. And we really appreciate his contributions to our show and to our community as an odd fellow. He does a great job. So uh, why don't we just get to the show? So the interview is uh, really, a, a, you know, it's a nice short-ish interview. It's not kind of a, a, a run-on thing. David and I uh, connected because uh, this past weekend was the Noble Order of Muscovites. Uh, degree day-ish, degree week. They're doing a bunch of degrees right now. Um, and I was like, holy smokes, we still haven't talked to David about uh, the hall use. So this is a follow-up, kind of different, kind of follow-up to the Vic Vancouver 90 show where they were talking about their hall use. And now this is an everyday uh, focus on the community hall use that they have in Portland. I, uh, I tell a little bit of story at the end, but uh, the reason David and I connected was in 2018, I was working in Portland. Uh, frequently, I was spending a week, a month down there uh, for a little over a year. And after I became an odd fellow, I went and checked out their hall. So that's it. And what's their hall like? Is it nice there? It's this big building. It's three stories. It's on the corner. Um, and it's in North Portland. So it's not uh it's certainly not central to to where everybody usually hangs out and so it's not know, right beside voodoo donuts i was just gonna say there's no voodoo donuts right beside if there is a donut shop it not, doesn't have but it's, donuts. but i don't think it has different kinds of shocking no shock somewhat, nuts no shock donuts <laughs> all right all right all right now, why don't we just go to the interview okay let's go to the interview so we're not talking about pie. We're talking about donuts. We're not talking about pie. There'll be no mention of pie. So I'm lucky enough to be sitting down with David Shear of Portland, Oregon. How are you doing today, David? I am doing fantastic. Thank you. How are you, Billy? I'm great. Uh, huge thanks for being able to fill in for uh, some of our scheduling changes. I uh, said in the intro that Doing the Muscovite degree this past weekend made me remember uh, the great meeting that you and I had probably about three years ago now, uh, where uh, we talked about your hall and the Peninsula 128 uh, Lodge's use of the hall. So that's what we're here to talk about. Before we get to that, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us all about David Shear, the odd fellow, and a little bit of the history that goes with you. Oh, my. So, well, in terms of history, the uh, I do have odd fellows going back many generations. Uh, first, I know back is to my great, great grandfather. Uh, he was he lived in Washington and he was a very, very big odd fellow there. They said that he used to sit out on his porch every night and would rock in his rocking chair while reading the Oddfellows Manual every single night. So uh, it goes back a long ways. And I'll say one time I had mentioned this among some Oddfellows and one of the older gentlemen said, you know, I don't really care how far back 
somebody's lineage goes in odd fellows. I only care what are they doing for the order today. And that really impressed me. And it really struck home because I became an odd fellow when I was <clears throat> 16, which is the minimum age. And, or at least it is in our jurisdiction. And I attended for probably a couple of years. And then I started college and building a career. And for probably two decades, I did not attend lodge meetings. My parents kept my membership, uh, but I did not attend meetings. And then when the time was right for me in my life, I came back to Odd Fellowship and I have become very, very committed to Odd Fellowship and very dedicated to it. So that's one thing that I really stress with some people when they, when they get upset because somebody has stopped coming to Lodge. I say, don't be upset. Just keep your membership, <laughs> keep your, uh, your interest in them, keep your friendship with them. And a lot of times it's just things in life happen and it's not the right time, but when the right time comes, and we see this all the time in our lodge, people that haven't been for years suddenly show up and they have a great reason for why they weren't there. And they're jumping right back in because in their heart, they were always odd fellows. In, our, in all of us, we're an odd fellow. We just haven't figured that out yet, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so your mom and dad uh, were active. Um, I mean, obviously keeping you connected and so forth. But um, what a little bit about what their legacy or, or what they've uh, uh, provided to you. Well, my dad actually received his membership as his requested birthday present when he turned 18, which was the uh, required age at that time. And he was active for his whole entire, um, from the day that he was initiated all the way through. When he was in Hawaii, um, stationed in Hawaii, he went to the lodge in Hawaii. And uh, he was grandmaster for the state of Oregon. And he was noble grand for our lodge three times. And he was noble grand for Peninsula Lodge the year that he passed away. So uh, my mom was very active in the Rebecca's. And in, uh, I believe it was 2000, when women were allowed to uh, join the Oddfellows. She was the first one to get her application in, and she was the first woman to be noble grand of our lodge. And we really, everyone at lodge refers to her as the, as Mama Joanne. And we've got a very large, uh, very young membership. Everyone thinks of her as mom. And kind of in honor of her, our lodge made a decision to not go long periods of time 
without women as noble grands. So we alternate every single year uh, between a man and a woman being the noble grand of our lodge. Oh, that's interesting. And so a little bit detail, dig into the lodge membership. You say you have a large membership uh, and a young membership. How would you describe it in more detail than that? Um, well, this really comes to the core of our uh, building use because our membership is what it is as a result of our building use policy. And uh, I don't know if you want me to dive into our building use policy right away, but essentially we have a lot of people that are in our lodge who are members because they were introduced to our lodge by taking Zumba or Aikido or going to plays. Our lodge, uh, when it's not COVID, is open seven days a week with activities for the community. And all of the people leading those activities are odd fellows, which makes it a lot easier to broach the subject of, hey, have you heard the heard of the odd fellows? I'm a member. Um, when it's people that you know and they know you're an odd fellow and they know that they get to enjoy that amazing building because you're an odd fellow. And so it makes it easier for people to have the conversation of, hey, why don't you join? These are the benefits that I get. And for that reason, like I said, when it's not COVID, we are initiating at least two people per month. And sometimes, you know, that number is closer to six or eight. Wow. So the membership that is joining, they're getting introduced, obviously, you just said from the use of the hall. Um, how are you introducing them to Odd Fellowship? So what we did is a lot of it is a passive introduction. So we do have a museum in our building, a museum on how the Odd Fellows were influential in the development of North Portland. And we just kind of duplicated some of the exhibits there and moved them into our main lobby so that when somebody comes in for Zumba and they are waiting because the Aikido class is still going on, they're standing out there reading exhibits on Odd Fellowship and seeing that the street that they live on was named after an odd fellow who was very important. And, and so they get introduced and they get introduced to um, the charitable work that not only that the order as a whole is doing, but specifically the charitable work that our lodge is doing in the community. I've seen the schedule uh, back in 2018 when I was there. Um, the schedule, it shows the hall is booked. You have a, a small studio as well downstairs. So you've maximized your building. The building's how old? It's. It was built in 1925. 25, right. And it's a very interesting building in that what I saw upstairs, the, the main hall, uh, is 
is spacious. It's vast. Um, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're not in a little corner of a, of a cinder block building. You know, this is a vast room with some dividers to, to customize its shape and its, and its uh, usefulness. You have a kitchen and mm -hmm. you can do banquets and you can do uh, events. With the seven days a week, do you have somebody who is a, like a, a lodge secretary or someone who is uh, shift work in there to make sure that there's a um, proper use of the building or the right people are there? Uh, so in order for the building to be open, there must be an odd fellow present. So as an example, um, say the Zumba class, if, if the instructor was absent and was going to have a substitute come teach Zumba, then either that substitute would have to be a member of the lodge or a student attending would have to be a member of the lodge. Um, so there has to be a member of the lodge present at all time who is not only representing the lodge, but is representing the people that are using the lodge at that moment and is taking responsibility for them. So for instance, if there was, again, using the Zumba example, if the Zumba, Zumba instructor could not be there and a Zumba student who is a member of the lodge could not be there, then you cannot have the Aikido instructor be the one that opens up the building for them. The person opening up the building for them has to represent that activity and be responsible for those people as well. In addition, because we all own the building, all of the instructors sign up for cleaning custodial tasks and they do those tasks at the end of or before their class. So we don't have to have any custodial staff. Our building is kept nice and clean and in good repair uh, because the members that are using the building, they do cleaning work every single time they come to the building. Gotcha, gotcha. So the other uses of the building that I witnessed when I was there is, um, again, going kind of back to pre-COVID um, and everyday life and things we all wish we could get back to. Uh, in the building, you have uh, uh, another meeting room that I think you mm -hmm. rent out. And then you also have a very important community-based, I guess, uh, section of the building um and i and that's for the the police department so maybe you could talk about those two as well just to kind of fill out the the use of the building a bit more yeah absolutely so before the lodge made the shift to the way that we are running the building now um it had dwindled in membership down to just a few very senior members and those members were not able to get up the stairs to the second floor anymore. And even though there's lift chairs, they weren't comfortable going up there. Plus having six people sit in an extremely large spacious um, lodge meeting uh, room felt kind of uncomfortable for them. So they had a second lodge hall built on the ground level. 
And that lodge hall is now being used. We have two different Masonic um, lodges that rent that room. And in addition to that, because it is still our room, it is also used uh, between Masonic um, meetings. We use it for play rehearsals. And uh, if we're going to be recording something and we need a quiet room, or if I just need a place where I can work without people finding me, then I go into that room that most people don't even know how to get into. Because to get to that room, you have to pass through the first security door leading to our 24-hour police rest stop, which the officers call a contact office. And essentially what that is, we took the old social area for that downstairs lodge, and it has its own kitchen. It has three bathrooms. And we converted that into a 24-hour secure break room where police officers can go to have their lunches, to write their reports. And they don't have to try to do all that while sitting in their car in the middle of the night, parked on a street where anybody could you know, potentially ambush them. And they don't have to go back to the uh, main precinct and leave the area that they are there to be working in, to be protecting, so that if something happens in that area, they have to drive an extra five miles to get back to our neighborhood again. Mm -hmm. So that has been amazing. And again, we really focus in on community and building community. And the police have been an amazing partner in that. We hold a Halloween carnival every year that brings in hundreds of kids from the neighborhood. And the police are there helping to run games, uh, handing out candy. They do what's called Coco with a Cop, where um, families can bring their kids in to meet police officers and drink cocoa with them. Lots of different activities so that the police officers in our neighborhood are considered part of the neighborhood. The people in the neighborhood, they recognize them. They know them by name. They know that they can um, go up and talk to them, and they know that they can feel safe if they're pulled over by them because this is somebody that they know. It's not a scary individual in a uniform that they have no idea of what that person's attitude or um, demeanor is. Mm, right. So how did you identify the need or was there a moment or that they were approached uh, on this? Because that's usually what I think lodges fall into is they their blinders are up on the work they do and when they get asked that question, we should open the doors for X uh, reason. Mm -hmm. They don't all know what's, um, what the opportunities are. So look, talk about that, the, the police um, rest area. Yeah, so it's, 
it is a pretty simple concept that we never would have thought of until we changed our view of how we were going to use our lodge. And that is that our work can be summed up in one word, and that is community. Mm-hmm. That's, that's all there is to the work of Peninsula Lodge, being an active and connected part of our community. And as part of that, we offer our rooms available to the neighborhood associations. And there are three different neighborhood associations that um, make access or uh, have access to our building to hold their meetings there. And it's all for free. It's part of our service to the community. And so it was at one, and we have representatives who will visit the meetings so that uh, we're not just giving them a space. We're actively participating because we are part of their neighborhood too. And it was at one of those meetings where the person who was the director of the crime and safety program for their neighborhood said, hey, have you ever heard of a contact office? And he explained to us about these rest stops and said, you know, we don't have one in our neighborhood. You've got such a great building. Would you consider it? And uh, we put in the application after the very next lodge meeting. And it is one of the best decisions that we have ever made in our lodge. It really connects us and it really, really feels good to know that we are providing a service to a group of people that is working so hard to help us and to keep our community safe and livable. Uh, it's great. And, you know, running through my brain, all the, the pros and cons of it all, and, and that you, you are an open 24-hour facility. Uh, so that is that is i think very unique from what i hear from other lodges there you know they're 20 even before 2020 there's a question about whether people were using the buildings much more than twice a month so what would you say uh if you were trying to sell this idea like let's say another lodge came and said david i'm really curious about this so what would be your advice to someone who's who wanted to propose this to their lodge a a community-based facility. Right. The first thing that I would say is go ahead and learn about our model, but know that every single lodge is going to have to tailor it based on their community, the needs of their community, and also the financial situation of their lodge. So we are very lucky because we are a three-story building. We are able to have cell towers. And those cell towers provide a constant um, income to the lodge. We used to have three, um, three spaces that were storefronts on the street level. And we chose to turn two of those into community access. And we now have only one storefront, which is a barber shop, 
and that is uh, supplemented by the cell towers on the roof. So you have to have an income if you are going to follow our model, but our model is nothing new. So we have three theater companies in our lodge. Now, to many people, that would sound completely earth-shattering news. But here's the fact. In the neighborhood a little ways down the street from us called Kenton, back when that was the town of Kenton and they had Kenton Oddfellows, the Rebecca's would rehearse and put on plays at least once a month and sometimes every week. And the entire community would go there to watch the plays. And they knew the Oddfellows Lodge inside out. They looked at all of the symbols in there. They knew the members because they were going there to take place. So what did we do? We said, well, we don't have any good actors in our um, place, but the actors that were performing back in the early 1900s in Kenton, those actors were members and they weren't charged to use the building to put on the plays for the community. So we just took that model and we said to some acting um, directors we knew who had their own theater companies, hey, if you and your actors join the lodge and are active members to keep this benefit, you have to attend the meetings, then you can put your plays on here and there will be no charge for you to put the play on. This is exactly what Kenton Lodge was doing in the 1900s, except for we went out and found the actors and brought them to the lodge. Now, uh, you would recognize her having taken the Musselwhite degree as the czar. She is the director of one of these theater companies. And not only is she an active member who attends every meeting of Peninsula, but she is now also the newly elected vice grand of Samaritan Lodge. So Odd Fellowship for many people, it is what they're looking for, but they have no idea and they won't believe you in a million years if you tell them that that's what they're looking for until they have experienced it. And this was a way that we have brought people in. And this is the same way that it works with all of our um, fitness instructors and everything. If they want to offer their class to the community in our building, they have two ways that they can pay their rent. They can write a check or they can become active members of the lodge. An active member means that they have to attend at least one meeting a month and actively participate in the upkeep of the building. Well, it gets to a point where I'm having people call me up because I am the secretary. Is this lodge night? Is this lodge night? I don't want to meet Miss Lodge Night. And they've already made their commitment to have free rent. Mm -hmm. They paid their rent commitment by attending the first meeting and they just want to make sure they don't miss the second. Right. 
That's great. So that was going to be my my final question on that was kind of the obligation to the the people using the building. Um, and you you nicely define what active membership means at Peninsula. So maybe we'll move to you know the the fun topic that you're wearing the shirt on. If unless there's something else we should cover about the hall use, but that was a great sort of uh, uh, roll into this that uh, uh, you I. I don't know. Give me your name. I, what was her name? Who was uh, the czar? Heidi, Heidi Davis. Is, Heidi Davis. She is was the czar. And very important for people to understand that the czar is completely and totally just a role in a play. Mm -hmm. So the degree is a play. Yeah. It is what historically was referred to as a public degree right so let's uh, let's talk a little bit about it well um i know there's uh, other uh i don't i don't know if you call yourself an appellate and what is the word appellate body what is the word you know you're not a branch you um you are a degree and but with all this uh this wonderful funness to it all right you've got an amazing logo <laughs> You got Buzzbees <laughs> and Fezzes. You've got uh, a, you know, a, literally a buzz across uh, Facebook after doing your degree week. So uh, Muscovites in, in a time in a in a kind of hey, this is what it is. You've just said it's a it's a play, but what does it mean? You said a great uh, a decompression or a debrief after the the degree this uh, weekend where you sort of explained what it is and you use the word gift so i'll leave it there and and you can take it so the first and foremost most important thing for anyone to understand when they take the degree is that they are not joining an organization so when you take the degree the degree is a fundraiser which has two goals, to raise money for lodges and to promote fraternalism, to introduce people to fraternalism. But it is not a separate organization. We found the degree in the attic of Peninsula Lodge and we thought it was hilarious. We revised and updated it because some of the humor was based on their times and um, nobody would understand it today. So we revised and updated it. And we put the degree on just for fun and as a fundraiser. And it turned out to be a huge, huge hit. And right away, some other lodges, such as in particular, the first person to approach me was Seth Anthony from. Pennsylvania, and he said, hey, would it be possible to get, to get permission to put this degree on back in Pennsylvania as a fundraiser? And I said, absolutely, because we are not looking to control the Muscovites. We are viewing it again not as an appendant body we're viewing it as a play that is a fundraiser for lodges 
and we want to share it as much as possible, but we want to make sure that it is benefiting lodges and benefiting fraternalism. So we only grant the right to perform the degree to an established lodge for them to use as a fundraiser and a friend raiser for their lodge. Um, they are allowed to put the degree on as a fundraiser for another, uh, for another charity, but their charter is essentially, it's a user license to perform the degree, mm -hmm. but they get a name for their lodge, a Muscovite name for their lodge, but it's still their lodge is the way that it works. Got it. So yeah, it's our gift to other lodges so that they can have the kind of fun that we are having and benefit their, um, benefit their charitable accounts the same way as it has benefited ours. Great. And you can be a, a fraternal member of any organization. Right. Um, the stipulation for getting the charter, uh, the user license, is that you have enough people in your lodge, which the enough number is seven. You have to have seven people in your lodge take the degree because it takes seven people to put on the degree. So if you have enough people who have taken the degree and know what it's supposed to be like, that they can put on the degree for your lodge, then you can apply for this user license to do the degree for your lodge. Got it. I, I, uh, I was just taking a moment to try to find something that I had uncovered from the 1890-ish. Um, and it was a degree that sounded similar. I'm trying to get the, the name right. And I may have to patch it in at the end of this inter at the end of the interview because I can't find it on Facebook <laughs> search. But it is a degree that was put on by Victoria's version of a theater based group. And that was Acme Lodge number 14. And uh -huh. they lasted about seven years in the 1890s. But they did a public degree called, um, I think it's called the degree of Hercules or something of Hercules. I'll, I'll patch it in later. But um, I have not been able to find anything. It's probably something very burlesque and vaudevillian type uh, mm -hmm. thing, sort of a show like we saw with um, the Muscovites. But um, yeah, it in the newspaper article that's written about it, it is put on at the, um, I don't know, the Victoria Theater, which may have been either a medium-sized theater in town. Um, and their uh, promotion was to fundraise for the Protestant or orphanage in uh, Victoria. So it was very right. clearly an Odd Fellows mission, and it was very clearly a public fundraiser. And it was in the newspaper article, it says it was to introduce people to fraternalize, to fraternity and fraternalism. Mm -hmm. So very similar. I'd love to find uh, the, the actual document and then and share it with you guys because you probably would be like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This, this, is, just, <laughs> this is just our thing in kind of a, a Greek Roman 
uh, time period. <laughs> well, one of the things that's interesting, and this was always a big talk about the Muscovite degree, is that the Muscovite degree is very different from the other fun degrees that were popular during that time. So pretty much every fraternal order had an appendant body that was um, the merrymakers. Uh, we had the Muscovites and a plethora of other organizations in the Oddfellows. And there were the Dokies or the Knights of Pythias. But the degree for the Muscovites, for people that took the Muscovite degree who were members of other orders and taken the fun degrees in other orders, they all said that the Muscovite degree was extremely unique. It was very different from the other degrees. Um, but yeah, I would, I would love to see a copy of that Hercules degree if you ever find it. No, keep, keep looking. It's probably long gone since the building was uh, emptied out, uh, I don't know, 130 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's still a chance that just like the Muscovite degree, it is hidden away in some log attic yeah. where nobody ever looks. Nobody ever looks. <laughs> What's uh, Peninsula Lodge up, been up to recently, even COVID uh, activities? Well, so we are, the building is not open for any group activities, uh, but our instructors are still hard at work going in there. We've got, we basically turned the hall, the main upstairs hall into a Zoom studio. studio. So they're teaching all their classes. They take turns going up into the empty building and mm -hmm. turning on all the lights and cameras and performing for their classes, some on Zoom, some on Facebook. And it has been a real, real blessing for our theater companies to be able to do the Muscovite degree because they cannot perform any plays right now mm -hmm. they can't get together as a group and rehearse but they've been doing the muscovite degree for five years they know how they interact with each other and so the muscovite degree was all done one person at a time going up and standing and acting in front of a green screen recording themselves on their fancy new cell phones and then us patching it all together and making it appear as though the actors are, you know, in the same room with each other. The only time where there were two actors was when uh, Ryan Westwood, who is next year's vice grand of the lodge, <clears throat> he and I uh, did the secret work. So we showed what the handshake looks like and and then we. Um, showered in Purell. So thanks very much, uh, David, for taking the time and, uh, you know, giving us the, uh, the lowdown on what's happening at Peninsula Lodge. That's excellent. Thank you. You are very welcome. And Billy, thank you so much for coming down and visiting our lodge. That's another thing that's part of Oddfellow history. People used to go and visit 
other lodges all the time and you knew people from all over the region. <clears throat> so I thank you for coming down and visiting us. Well, I have to just, before we end, I have to give the change of, change of life story uh, around this. So I go down in 2018 because I'm working in <clears throat> Portland. Um, at the time I was uh, telecommuting and physically commuting with a Portland office. And I decided I'm going to go see somebody. And so I had heard about uh, this, this guy, David Shear. So I connected with you and we met and we had uh, a great tour and um, we, we had a bite to eat and we yacked away about everything, telling each other what's going on in each city, et cetera. Um, I came back and I actually wrote a little report for my odd fellows here and posted it on the Facebook page. And then uh, you told me about the ball. Uh, that was coming up and so I was like oh I'm not going to be there that week it was really a, a thing I wanted to go to so I told you I would buy some raffle tickets so I bought a raffle ticket and it was hilarious because I ended up winning a tattoo <laughs> from a donation from the oddball tattoo parlor who uh, I don't think they're members but they just have a, a quirky name so they're not members, but the tattoo artist that gave you the tattoo is a black belt in Aikido. With, uh, and, in, your, in your group, yes. In my class, yeah. And yeah, so he didn't get his black belt for me to be um, technically correct. But uh, yeah, so he comes and does Aikido with me. Right. And so I'm a 50-year-old... <clears throat> skinny nerd and i decided that i would get an odd fellows tattoo across my my uh my bicep which you know very very native hawaiian of me uh but uh he he wanted to know what i was going to do and so i uh, he and i worked on this odd fellow symbolism uh tattoo and so i got it when i'm and shocked my wife didn't tell anybody i was doing this and uh <laughs> came home with a, a very shiny black inked tattoo, which I'm very proud of. And uh, so thank you very much for that. That's, uh, that's, my, that's my real connection story for the rest of my life. I will always remember David and a, and a tour of the uh, facility and the building in Portland. So David, have a great day. Thank you very much. You too, Billy. That'll do it for us. Thanks for listening and thanks to David Shear. Remember, Anytime's a good time to send the Modern Goat Rider an email. It's info at moderngoatrider.com. Josh and I will be back again soon with another episode making Oddfellows discoveries and seeing the Oddfellowship all around us. Cheers in FLT.